Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... See, the key here is having the love of Jesus Christ in your heart. It is having the mind of Christ. You get both of those from the spiritual disciplines of reading the Bible, coming to church, praying, getting to know one another and serve one another. And it becomes the desire to reflect who Jesus is in your life. And if you will, receive it from him. Freely you have received freely we are to give, and then to export what Jesus has done for us into the lives of other people. A general principle we observe among people is the more time we spend with each other, the deeper a relationship develops, and the more in tune we become with each other's likes, dislikes, dreams, and fears. This same principle holds true in our spiritual lives as well. Pastor Jim today shares with us how spending time in the Bible, praying, talking with fellow Christians, and serving others helps us gain a clearer picture of God's heart. As we learn more about Him, we won't be able to help but share His love. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3 with part one of his message entitled, Pursuing Blessings. Do you want God to bless you? Do you want God to bless our church? Well, I'm sure most of us answered yes. But then again, what are the blessings of God? What do those blessings look like? Who decides what blessings are? Madison Avenue? Commercials? People in Hollywood? Do we decide what the blessings of God are? Does God decide what the blessings are? How do we receive His blessings? Do we just go outside after the service today and sit around and wait for them to fall out of the sky? Is there something that we're supposed to do? Are we supposed to be aggressive about it? Do you ever notice that sometimes it seems that the Lord blesses some people and not others? And some people actually seem, who have next to nothing, seem a lot happier than the people who seem to have a lot. Well, we're not going to answer all of these questions today, but we are going to look at our part in a message that we've entitled, Pursuing Blessings. Pursuing Blessings. As a matter of fact, if you're taking notes, you might want to just jot in the parentheses behind it and pursuing blessings together because there is a large community focus in this letter of 1 Peter as it is in virtually all of the books of the New Testament. You say, pursuing blessings, where do you come up with that? Well, look at the end of verse 9 here in 1 Peter 3. He says, that you may inherit a blessing. Most versions translate that, that you may inherit a blessing. One says, obtain a blessing. Look at the end of verse 11. He says, let him seek peace and pursue it. So there's, something, there's some correlation between getting a blessing and seeking it and pursuing it. Now, as we return to the book of 1 Peter, it's been a while since we've been here. We basically took a month off for the holidays. Now we have to get back into the thing, right? And we come back to and paint the context. It's about 30 years after Jesus has been lived on earth, was crucified, resurrected, and ascended into heaven. The apostle Peter is writing a letter to churches, to committed followers of Jesus Christ, 
who are living in, in the area we know today as Turkey, which is part of the Roman Empire at the time. And times are hard, particularly hard if you are a follower of Jesus, because inherent in being a follower of Jesus is if you say that Jesus is Lord, that means you're saying that Caesar is not. And that would be worthy of the death penalty. That would be a crime against the state. In chapter 2, we saw that, we were, that Christians are to live differently, including we covered that we are to obey the government. We are to serve our employers. If we are married, we are to serve our, our spouse. And the big word in that chapter, chapter 2 and into chapter 3, was the word submission. Submission. We noted that Jesus said himself, Mark 10, 45, that he came to serve and not to be served. Later on, the Apostle Paul would write, Ephesians 5, 21, that we are to be submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, that sounds good, but we sit here in church and we go, that's fine. But I don't know about you, I read the Bible sometimes and I look at something and I go, okay, Lord, that's great. What in the world does that mean? We did the book of Philippians written to the church in Philippi by the Apostle Paul. And the often quoted verses that we covered of one sermon was Philippians 2, 12, and 13, where he said, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, remember he founded the church there, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Not work for your salvation, work out the salvation that you already have with fear and trembling. And back then, I don't remember, but we probably said, what in the world does that mean? And then he adds verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Okay, that's fine, but what does it look like to work out our salvation? What does it look like to submit to one another? Interestingly enough, here in 1 Peter 3, he's going to give us some of the things that we are to live out as Christians, and then amazingly enough, he's going to tie it to receiving blessings from God. Something, if you've been around the Bible a long time, you're like, that couldn't be. But no, he's going to do it. But a lot of it comes down to what our definition of a blessing is. Now, there's three things we want to look at today if you're note takers in the idea of pursuing blessings. The first will be pursuing blessings in the life of the church. That will be very detailed and much longer. So you can relax when you're wondering if you're going to get to work tomorrow, that number two and three will go faster. Unless you're not paying attention, then I'll be up here forever. <laughs> number two, we'll be pursuing blessings in the world we live in. And number three, pursuing blessings in the eyes of the Lord. But we'll give those headings again as we go. So number one, pursuing blessings in the life of the church. Verse eight, finally. Let's just stop there. <laughs> now, the apostles were preachers. And so I'm going to quiz the people who've been here for more than, let's say, a year and a half. Okay. When a preacher says to you, as we close, or finally, what does that mean? Absolutely nothing. Okay. Absolutely nothing. Okay. That means you still got a long way to go. So he says here, finally, 
What he's really doing, I think, here is he's saying, he's cueing us in, this is a lesson in how to read the Bible, that this is the end of the section on relationships that he's been talking about. So he's going to move us into another section next week. He's going to actually move us into suffering, including next week we're going to tackle one of the most difficult passages, not only in First Peter, but probably in, in all of the Bible, or at least all of the New Testament. So he says, finally, all of you, all of you. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, means that you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, this is for you. There are no exceptions, and these are commands. These are not suggestions. This is pretty pretty serious stuff here. If you're not a follower of Jesus, glad you're here. Thrilled you're here. You are most welcome here. A lot of people come here, they visit, they're not Christians, and a lot of people come here for a long time, and they say, I never was, thought I was, but never really put my trust in Jesus, so we're so glad that you are here. You are our most welcome guest. But now he's talking to Christians. He says, finally, all of you, be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous. So remember, this is a letter to churches. They would have read this in the churches. They would say, you know, back in the day, we would, if you were raised in the kind of church I was, we would get a letter from the bishop, right? And we'd all, you know, be like, oh, he wants money again. But I mean, a letter, a letter from the bishop. And they would be like, here's a letter, right, from the apostle Peter. And so he begins to talk about, summarize what church life is all about. And he begins really by saying, that truly blessed people are a blessing to others. That that's really how to be the most blessed is to bless others. It is to obey what Jesus called the second and greatest commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself, which flows out of what? The first commandment is to love God. So Jesus and the apostles taught that we are to see one another in the church as brothers and sisters, meaning that we are to love and invest in one another as part of a church. All Christians are called to be part of a church. Don't believe the people say to you, I'm not called to say, well, I just go out on Lake Hapakong and worship God. You're probably not gonna be drawn into the conviction of sin. You're not like, what a beautiful day. I'm such a sinner, God. Probably not gonna happen. You're not gonna be called into costly serving one another, right? And that's something like, hey, bro, you want a beer? That's not, what, that's not costly serving one another. Okay, we, being brothers and sisters, we are called to love and invest in one another as we would our own families. Now, that doesn't mean the same amount of time. It doesn't seem to mean the same amount of time. If you're married, you have to pour into your family. I have to pour into my wife. I have to pour money into my kids' colleges. Um, I have to, you know, I have to pour into your family. But it's the same heart. It's the same heart that I'm willing to love and invest in people. Now, last week in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, we talked about the dangers of when the people of God don't do this and what it looks like. And a lot of us were like, that was great. I love that, man. Oh, those people who are like that, man. I can't stand those people. Today, it's a little tougher because today, we're gonna be told how to do it, how to be church people, how to be Christians the right way so we're blessed and we're spiritually healthy. And so as a church, we're spiritually healthy. 
And some of the things today are going to be really a Bible word, convicting. But here's my challenge to everybody. Why don't you just say to the Lord today, you know what, Lord, thank you for your grace for where I come up short. Help me to be better where I'm not. And help me this week to actually give it a try. And then the week after that. And the week after that. So let's go over the words he says. There's a lot of overlap, but let's go through them quickly. He begins with, be of one mind. Be of one mind. Uh, One version says, be of unity of spirit. Another version says, be like-minded. Another one says, live in harmony with one another. And when you translate from one language to another, there's different ways to, to say it. Now, none of that would be easy, would it? Well, because we're different people. And there's different ideas and there's different thoughts. And certainly, we, you know, anybody who's in close interpersonal relationships, we all know that, that, we, that we need the Holy Spirit for that. But let's be clear on what he's not saying here in one sense. He's, unity is not uniformity. It doesn't mean that we're all the same. We're all different. The big joke here is we have a, a position here at the church we do, and, and it's every other Sunday, and you're the service leader. You're the service leader. Two weeks ago, the service leader, who's the service leader today, he and our worship leader, who are very good friends, have been wearing the same shirt the last two times. <laughs> Not the same shirt they wore two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, it was plaid. This week, it's all black. And I was like, why aren't I included in these things? <laughs> like, I feel like I don't belong. And they're like, well, we'll let you know what we're wearing. Like, I don't want to know. <laughs> Like, my wife and her friends do that stuff. I don't do that stuff. So unity is not uniformity. In fact, we are to celebrate the expression of the creativity of our creator among one another. We are to celebrate how we're different. We are to celebrate in how the Lord has wired us in so many different ways. However, that still means that we have duties to one another. Even if we're different, we still have duties to one another. You see, the key here is having the love of Jesus Christ in your heart. It is having the mind of Christ. You get both of those from the spiritual disciplines of reading the Bible, coming to church, praying, getting to know one another and serve one another. And it becomes the desire to reflect who Jesus is in your life. And if you will, receive it from him. Freely you have received Freely we are to give and then to export what Jesus has done for us into the lives of other people. Now to be of one mind means we are guided by serving the Lord and loving one another. Those are the two greatest commandments. And that's the uniting factor. We have to get that. We don't all have to be the same, but we have to be united. We are about, it's from Colossians chapter 1, helping people become committed followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we are about and so, and so we must be under that, serving the Lord, loving one another. That's the uniting factor. Everything flows out of that. Now let's again talk about that in a more specific sense. And I'm about to get some of you a raise and a promotion at work. I get a 1% commission, okay? <laughs> Make it out to my initials, C-A-S-H. <laughs> okay, being of one mind. Being of united does not mean that we always have to agree on everything. That's not what that means. 
okay? That's what I hate about whatever, being the boss. I can't stand that because I come up with some idea. Sometimes I come up with stupid ideas on purpose and everybody goes, oh, that's a good idea, that's a good idea. And I'm like, no, it's not, <laughs> right? See, we don't all have to be in agreement, but we must be in alignment. In other words, the goal will be the same, although we might disagree how to get there, and though all of us might have to come in line with something we don't agree with, we all have to come into alignment. I always use this room as an example. I asked about 100 people about what color they, we should paint it. And I got about 300 opinions. So we hired an interior decorator. <laughs> we don't have to agree on the color, but we have to come into alignment that having some color is better than no color, <laughs> okay? Because no color would be distracting. So sometimes in your job, in your ministry, in your church, we might not get the way we want it, but we need to come into alignment under the goal of the way we're going to approach it. And if you leave the meeting and you're out of alignment and complaining about the way you don't like the way it goes, don't think that doesn't get back to the boss. So when people complain and they go, well, I don't like the way we're doing this, you say, okay, we, got, we had to pick a way, but man, let's look at the goal. Let's look at the end Result, let's look at what we're going to. That's why when we say we're trying to help people become committed followers of Jesus Christ, that determines what we do. We teach the Bible. We're not trying to make you feel good. That may or may not happen. We're trying to say this is what the Lord says and we're gonna go through it line by line so we can't skip the difficult stuff. In other words, the kingdom of God has to trump self-interest. The kingdom of God and his values has to trump all of the things that we want. Now, we have to each do our best to take care of our own souls. We have to. You know when you fly, right? You get up there and they tell you all the things that's going to happen if the plane crashes. I'm not too confident at that point. <laughs> but anyway, but, but they tell you. And one of the things they tell you, if the oxygen thing comes down, right, put it on yourself first, and then help somebody else. So we do have to do our best to realize that we are all called to try and keep ourselves spiritually healthy, but we're all going to have times when we're going to have to come out of our isolation and put the mask on somebody else. There's gonna be times when we all have to work together, where we're gonna to have to help one another. Romans 12, 16, the Apostle Paul says to the churches in Rome, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Now, in the American church, what is the typical thing of being wise in our own opinion is criticism, right? Of always thinking we know better than everybody else. Listen, most churches that I'm associated with, most small businesses that I'm associated with, even a lot of the larger companies in times of trouble really uh, figure this out, most of them are just short on money and people. And they do the best they can with the resources that they have. Right? One of the things here, you, you know, people come, it's funny when people come here as a guest sometimes, they come as a guest and they go, Pastor, love the service, man, you forgot the offering. <laughs> Right? We've been here almost 11 years, and by the grace of God, we haven't, we haven't done that one time yet. I'm not against that. 
I'm not against that, but I don't want that to be a stumbling block for anybody to come in here. And how many of you are busy? Right? So without me constantly begging for money, without me constantly making you feel guilty for not being at the church every night, helping out with everything, we have to do what? We have to do the best we can with the money we have and the volunteer time that people are able to do the church. And you know what? I'm totally fine with that. But we can't criticize that. That's just the reality. That's part of us loving one another and being kind of in that. Here, I'm going to get you another promotion at work. You ready? Now I'm up to 2% commission. <laughs> Don't, and some of you are like, you're a pastor. I own my own company. Gosh. Oh my goodness, I'm getting old. 32 years <laughs> next month. Right? One company, five different divisions. But come on, stop acting like you're the first person to have an idea. Somebody else probably already thought of it before. Right? Don't, don't act like you know better than everybody else. Approach your employer in a very different frame of mind and saying, hey, you know, I know this is something that's important. Has anybody been working on this? Has anybody invested in this or some roadblocks to this? I'd be willing to get involved in that, maybe even head it up. You know, the workplace is dying for people like that. I'm telling you, it's dying for people like that. But to think we know better, that's not the mind of Christ. Next he says, having compassion for one another. In the Gospels, it's interesting. It actually has to do with a feeling. It says that Jesus looked on the crowds and he had compassion. It literally, it means it came up from his bowels. Like he was like, ugh. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now to have compassion, that level of compassion, is totally impossible if all you do is focused on yourself. It's totally impossible. I mean, this, compassion is having pain in other people's pain in really identifying what's going on in their lives. It's so far beyond feeling sorry for people. Now, does that mean we run to every emergency we are aware of? No, that's not what it means. It's better, again, to see are other people involved. Don't act like you're the first person who saw this, right? Just say, are there other people involved in this? Is there some way that I can get involved with? And if people say, oh yeah, we have you know, 18 people working on this, maybe you could come over here if that's something you would like to be involved in. And if they say, well, nobody's involved in that, maybe that's the time to say to the Lord, Lord, did you bring that to my heart because you want me involved? Now this is not being a busybody. Oh, we have to pray for sister so-and-so. That's gossip, okay? Often it's just lending a listening ear and praying with people. Now you say, I would have no idea how to pray with someone, Pastor Jim. All right, I'm going to give you one of our inner secrets that we have here at the church. One of the ways you can do it, if you're not sure what to do, is you can just offer them help. Help, H-E-L-P. Now I made this up, but it probably read it somewhere 20 years ago and thought I made it up. Okay, help, H, offer them hope. God knows. God knows. God's here. God can, and that can be in your workplace. It could be in your home. It can be anywhere. Offer them hope. E, encouragement. Man, God sees your plight. Just stay at it, man. Don't give up. Don't give up. I can't tell you how many times I have wanted to give this whole thing up and I have gotten cards from people in this church that said to me, you are making a difference. Stay at it. I'm like, Jesus, what were you standing at the mailbox waiting to pop it in on the right day? <laughs> offer them hope. Offer them encouragement. Offer them love. Remind them that God loves them. 
and then pray. It doesn't have to be deep. It doesn't have to be short. God, we're thankful that there's always hope in you, that we can be encouraged because you're on the job and that you love us and you're powerful. Amen. That's it. Just ask the Lord to hear, to help, and to heal. Next, he says, love as brothers. This is brotherly love. This is Philadelphia. He actually just said, be Philadelphia. No, he didn't. (laughs) This is be Philadelphia. Don't give lip service to the, a lot of people give lip service. Oh, the church is a family. But then they want to live as strangers. Oh, the church is a hospital. But then they don't want to put the scrubs on and go work in the emergency room. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There you can listen to archive broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through the book of 1 Peter. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love.